Welcome everybody to the Spawn On Me podcast. This is episode 24. My name is Khalif Adams and I am joined today with not Cicero Holmes. Cicero Holmes is on assignment. I don't even know what that means because <laughs> we don't really have press passes like that. Where we can just go places and they just let us in. So he's on assignment. I'm just going to say that because it makes it sound more better. If you say it like that. <laughs> Uh, but we are joined this week, uh, with my man, the dopeness from sharifjackson.com. Sharif Jackson, how are you, sir? What's up, man? I'm doing well. Glad to be on the show again. Word. I'm so happy to have you on, man. I, I, the beauty of it, man, is like you were like the rocket raccoon of the Spawn on Me podcast where you just come in and wreck stuff nice. and everyone lo- and then everyone loves you. And then they're like, "Oh, I want Sharif back. I don't want Khalif on the show anymore. He sucks." That's the, that's the goal. Uh, except except I'm much I'm much taller than Rocket Raccoon, and I'm less annoying than Bradley Cooper. So there's that also. Oh man, see, but that's the thing though. Is like if you if you well, see, I started that analogy, so I'm I'm really messed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I messed that all up from the beginning. Anyway, all right. How are you doing though? Everything's good. Yeah, man, I'm doing good, man. Just uh, you know. Getting ready for a weekend. I've got the uh, Wisconsin State Fair popping off. Oh, really? Wait a minute. Does so, this mean like like corn cakes? Man, and this is cakes? everything that can be fried that's not human is, <laughs> is uh, going on, man. And and yeah, they don't really do well. They have some funnel cakes, but the big thing is these uh, cream puffs. I think they're called cream. I don't know. I've, I've only been here for a year, so I'm still getting used to the Midwestern thing. But so wait, is that like fried Oreos or like fried Twinkies? No, it's like basically like fried dough with a bunch of sugar on it and cream in the middle. I guess. See, oh dang. Oh, so it's like it's like cream filled Zeppelins. Yeah, and like they're really good. Like there's a huge line every time, but they kind of like process it through like it's a like a Henry Ford assembly line. Like they just kind of just like, get you. <laughs> in and out like like uh fast uh, um but uh, yeah it's so cool man because i grew up kind of going to the uh new jersey state fair in the meadowlands mm-hmm. and I, th- I remember that and i thought that was like a state fair <laughs> but when you go to like a midwestern one when they're actually like judging goats <laughs> and and like and and like you can't walk around the whole thing. Like it's basically like going to a convention center. Like like you need days to see everything. Oh my god! I mean, it, I mean, it is an experience. It is an yeah. experience. I've been I've I've only went to one. That's the one thing I'm I'm kind of excited for out here is I know that they are gonna have like water sports and yeah. stuff that has like horses and stuff. I'm just like want to go to county fairs that have like. Horses and archery. <laughs> I, I, want, I want there to be some some like Highland games. They had they had the Highland games out here, and I did not go to it, and I was so mad. Yeah, do you know, do you, do you know oh, of the Highland games? I do not. No, none. So the Highland games are, uh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. So if you if you if you hear this and you need to correct me, please by all means. But um, I believe it's a Scottish based like greatest like world strongest man kind of competition but it's so it's like you'll take all these different events plus like dancing plus like oktoberfest plus kilts plus beards <laughs> so it's like you have all that wrapped in one and it's the dopest thing ever i remember seeing it like when i was 10 years old on like espn i think or something like that and it was this dude and he had a big he was like he was flipping a telephone pole 
<laughs> and he and it was like flipping the telephone pole for distance, and then all this other craziness. It was like so dope. <laughs> Sounds pretty rad. <laughs> it's Highlanders without swords. Actually, you know, there'd be like a jousting section or something like that, or you're hopping on a horse and <laughs> yo, if you gotta you pull can, the armor. <laughs> anytime, nice. that, anytime that you can bring people together and have one big ass turkey leg and mead, I'm down. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. dude. You know that reminded me of this old restaurant. I think they're still around. It's called uh, Medieval Times. Yes. Yes. Or like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I never. I mean, I never actually got to go. I mean, I've been to one before, but never got to go inside of it. I just been in the parking lot of one. But like, I remember seeing it in uh, this movie, uh, Cable Guy. Oh my god! Like uh, where they had this scene where they had to fight, <laughs> and they had all the armor on and jousting and stuff. <laughs> It's it's the best thing as a kid because like you like eat with your hands and like there's like a photo section where you take a photo with some like ridiculously dressed up uh, king or some crap like that and it just looks awesome from the outside it's like a build a castle with flags oh yeah medieval times was the joint I, I just want to <laughs> go to I want to go to these things so I can ha- I can be a black dude with a kilt and a tartan <laughs> I want I want a family crest that has like all the dope things, but it's hard to have a family crest when you have a slave last name. So. <laughs> That's very true. It'd be like, like uh, Morgan Freeman in that old movie, Robin Hood and stuff. He's the only brother in that whole entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the house of Adams? I'm like, uh, slavery. <laughs> <laughs> He's working oh, on the same Adams beer. Yeah, basically. I, I not, this is the way I talk. Uh, it's my crest. <laughs> I like haggis. Um, so, so, so that other lovely voice that you hear uh, joining us today is the would I would I would I call you the CEO, owner, and master of all things Philosoplay? <laughs> that sounds about right. No, I'm joking. <laughs> nice. I'd be just the owner, developer, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> owner and developer, Tony Powell. How are you, sir? Very good. Very, very good. It's great to be on the show. I'm so excited to have you on um, so, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one, because you have the best energy of anyone that I've met just off the off the like first initial meeting. <laughs> I, I remember. I, I remember. I met you at a New York. Uh, games forum demo night back in new york um and you were showcasing your game uh that rock paper scissors game and uh i rolled up on you and i was like playing the game and, and you were you were watching me play and i went to you know shake your hand and say hey you know i'd like to have you on the show this is a while ago too so mind you this has been for for a bit and you had the best energy, man. And I was like, I need to, I need to have you on the show and talk to you later because you just have great energy in the in the game. The the uh, there were a lot of games there that night, and um, you'll notice when you go to demo nights that people kind of cord themselves off into their own corners, and they 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 do kind of rotate towards other games and check things out. Um, but the thing that you have to check out and and pay attention to is the reaction to people playing the games that are demoed. And every person that touched your game had a huge smile on their face when they came away from it. <laughs> oh, thanks, that, man. <laughs> it was it was the thing that I, that I remembered the most because I was like, yo, like the game is fun, but it's also just like the reactions you see when people play is really telling about how the game makes you feel. So you, you, you do, you're doing a great job and uh, it's oh, really dude. fun to have you on the show. 
thank you so much, man. I mean, like, uh, that's such a that's such a positive like reinforcement uh, for me to continue to work on this game and stuff. Because like, uh, up until up until about uh, up until April, actually, I wasn't able to bring this video game to uh, to very many events and stuff. And so I was just been working in seclusion for a long time. But to come to this event and see that people have this reaction to this rock paper scissor game is um is really really uh heartwarming and stuff dude and it makes you feel like i'm going in the right direction with this so thank thank you so much no it's 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 great can you can you actually give the audience a little bit of background and just tell folks how you started you know what have you been what have you been up to and 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 some of the things that you've been doing since the last time i've i've saw i've seen you excellent sure thing yeah so uh my name is anthony powell and i'm the owner of a small independent video game company called uh philosophy which uh, wishes to transform ideas into interactive experiences. And the first attempt in, in this endeavor is with this rock, paper, scissor game called uh, that rock, paper, scissor game. And basically the way it's played is there's three characters. You're either a rock, paper or scissors and it's played in a top down way. Uh, and you have to smash into one player, but avoid smashing into the other. So if you're a rock, you have to smash into scissors, but avoid paper. And um, there's also like unique twists like uh, power-ups in the game. Uh, the ones I'm announcing so far are uh, dashing, which allows your character to move uh, 10 times faster across the level. Um, you, you can also temporarily turn invisible, and you can also drop landmines in the game. And that just helps mix up the rock, paper, scissor uh, gameplay mechanic and stuff. That's awesome. And, yeah, yeah, thank you. It's a you. great concept. It's, it's a great concept. And and it's great because obviously everyone, the, the rock, paper, scissors are just immediately accessible. Like you don't even have to explain the basics you can go right into the power-ups and cool stuff like, thank, that's you. What I like <laughs> thank you yeah i mean that it, it seems that i have like lucked into all this and stuff like uh like i've been going to a few shows since uh since the first playtest event in april in uh, new york city and like it, it's really strange like like uh like i'll see people from anywhere from like four or five years old to like their their 80s 90s uh going out with their grandchildren and stuff to these video game events and stuff and then like the the whole family will just sit down and play the game and stuff and like in a few minutes you'll start to see people like jumping out of their seats and smiling and laughing and trying to dodge each other and stuff and like you can tell some of these people like the like the uh the older audience never really played very many video games like uh i remember seeing this one woman who didn't even hold the controller correctly and stuff in both hands <laughs> she just left it sitting on the desk and stuff and she like moved the uh, the thumbstick around with her finger and uh after a few minutes like and she was playing with her her uh husband they they must have been in their must have been in their 70s or so and uh and they had with their grand they had their granddaughter with her and um they were just like the more the more she was moving around the more she started getting into it then she started looking at her husband and her granddaughter's hands how they were holding the controller she started holding it the same way and really getting into the game and i was like oh, awesome. yeah it was so cool <laughs> i was like oh man yeah i noticed that too was that was something that um it was kind of evident was just the pick up and playness of the game. I mean, it's again, we talked about the mechanics of rock, pick, rock, paper, scissors. It's one of those things that if you've played games in your, in your schoolyard when you were younger, you were like, you've, you've, you're familiar with the, the concepts and with the, the gameplay, but the, the top down style of it, I think adds another dimension to the whole, to the whole gameplay. Um, and it's funny because, you know, when I looked at it at first, I was like, Oh, okay. I get this. It's simple enough, uh, that anybody can, can kind of pick it up and, and start their process of, of, of trying to win. But the, the cool thing was the power-ups, the power-up stuff. 
added this whole other level of <laughs> of, of dimension to it that one made it really competitive. <laughs> I mean, it's competitive anyway, but it's but it's competitive in a in a way that even when you're losing, you still feel like it's you still feel like you're having lots of fun. Like you, you're, <laughs> you're still able to do all the things you want to do in the game. Uh, can you go into to some of the thought processes behind, you know, implementing these kinds of game concepts and game mechanics and things like that for a game that's really familiar to most people? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so um, I originally came up with this idea uh back when i lived in the bay area uh earlier earlier this year late last year and um and it, at first it started off as like a very grid based game where it was always top down but uh you had to move from one grid space to the next and stuff and chase the players around and that was kind of cool like once i had the basic mechanics of uh rock kills scissors paper kills rock uh, uh, scissors kills paper and stuff, you know, uh, it, I played with that for a while and it was a lot of fun, but I realized that I was like, there's, there has to be something more to this because all the characters are moving at the same speed. You can literally have each other. You can literally chase each other in a circle for an hour and not make any contact with anybody. So long as, yeah. you know, people are still, you know, turning at the, at the right rate. So I was like, you know, there's gotta be something more to this and stuff. And, uh, I started thinking, I was like, well, I was building another game before this rock, paper, scissors game that had the same concept as rock, paper, scissors. And, uh, and I used power ups in that. Why don't I just translate those power ups over to these characters and stuff? And that's when I came up with dashing and, uh, invincibility and, uh, dropping landmines on the ground and stuff. It was just the way where I try to think of the power ups as rock, paper, scissors as well and stuff, you know, whereby like, uh, I wanted to make sure that each power up that a person uh, used was uniquely different than anything else and um and it could also uh put up a fight against the other like if someone had uh landmines or someone had invisibility and stuff uh you know they would be able to somehow like it w i kind of wanted it to be very difficult for someone to pick a favorite because i wanted them to all have something strong about them and stuff and something uniquely different than the rest and so uh i thought about like about a dozen power-ups as well um that are still in development um, but those three were the three that really like stood out and stuff in terms of being so uniquely different from everything else that, uh, that they were characters in themselves, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, I think the, again, it shows just like how you can flip a, a concept into another, not genre, but also, but like <laughs> how you can how you can move something forward i think a lot of people in the the industry when we are kind of bogged down with the ideas that nothing new is under the sun <laughs> it and and that kind of stunts and stunts the growth of of games uh themselves when we see things being iterated on a lot uh but but it but it really has come through in a way that again made everyone smile in a, in, a, in a way that i hadn't <laughs> seen at at most most events um, Thank you. <laughs> are you are you noticing or, or how, how have you been, you know, integrating yourself into the the indie space? Um, are you talking to lots of indie devs? Are you getting lots of feedback from them? Or is there a lot of collaborative efforts uh, going on behind the scenes between you and other folks or, or just even, you know, pinging people and saying, hey, I'm having some trouble with this thing or this concept. And, and, and what do you think? Um, how is it? How is it being an indie dev at this point right now? Oh, uh, right now, um, it's it's a lot of fun, like meeting all of my uh, indie brethren and stuff. Like uh, I've been working in a vacuum for so long, and I didn't get to uh, meet too many other video games until uh, the last, uh, I say, the last two years or so. Um, 
But like I always love to try to take the game to uh, these events and like try to get as much feedback from developers. I mean, it's great to get the feedback from enthusiasts, people who just love to play video games and stuff. Uh, but it's it's really, really like it's really re it's really reaffirming that uh, the game is going in the right direction when I get some good feedback from other video game developers uh, because they know what they're talking about. You know they they know you know they they know the ropes with it when it comes to game design and they it all you know so like uh so to have them be able to give me some positive feedback like this is this is a unique i had one developer tell me ah oh, so awesome i'm still cheesing it this is this is like months ago i'm still <laughs> cheesing about it but like the this developer told me that the game was he said it's brilliantly simple and i was like ah Sick, thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know it was really really cool and like that's something that i think is always going to put a smile on my face because when it's a developer saying that like they have they they know the creative process there it's it's hard to it's like trying to impress a musician uh like a a, a, a magician with uh magic and stuff when they've already seen it they've already they all know about it and stuff you know and so yeah. it was, uh, it, it's it's really really cool and stuff, you know, like uh, to get good feedback from them. And I've got I've gotten a lot of feedback from the game as well. Like uh, for example, um, some of the uh, so or so like some of the I, I had a developer like or so like it, there was this point in the development of this game where it was very grid based movement and characters instead of moving smoothly from one grid space to the next, they would just uh, pop in from one place to the next and stuff. And uh, and it, I believe that's the, the type of navigation the characters had in the trailer that I have up on uh, my YouTube channel and on my site. Um, and it was it was that, that kind of gameplay was kind of cool. You know, like you couldn't really predict the direction the player was going to go because there was no interpolation between uh, point A to point B. But I had a developer tell me, you know, it's it's not I think people would really prefer the smooth movement from point A to point B instead of having a character appear in point A and then in the appear in point B, uh, point B. And uh, and I wrestled with that idea for a while. And I was like, you know what? I like the idea of being able to move smoothly from one space to the next. But I don't know how to do something like that. Like I never had to program interpolation in a character's movement before. And uh, and it was a it was a challenge to try to figure out. And I tried a few things uh, to, to, to try to get that to work. And I, I came up with a temporary solution, but I eventually just ditched that for uh, getting rid of the getting rid of the grid space, getting rid of the grid based movement and just allowing the characters to move fluidly up, down, left or right. And uh, but that was that was some feedback that I, I think really improved the game uh, from another developer as well also my best friend uh my best friend jacob he actually lives in uh, new york city he he and i sometimes just sit down and like powwow about ideas about what would make this game even better and he's coming up with he's come up with a couple of really cool power-ups that are, i can't wait to start developing and showing other people and stuff and uh i, I think it's really going to make the game strong and um and yeah i mean like I, I love to take ideas from as many as many angles as i can get it from as many people that, as i can to uh, to make this game as best as it could be yeah, I, I find that really interesting, sort of the balance between getting ideas from the sort of professional develop, development community as well as, you know, just like regular gamers. Because I would think that, you know, just because, you know, I'm not in the business, obviously, but I would think that the kind of criticism that you would get from another developer would be good in a, I guess, design and technical way, but not in a are you having fun without knowing how to build a game way? Like, like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like when I think about like when game journalists like review games, I'm like, well, this person plays a thousand games a month. Like, 
like of course they're going to be tired of seeing a specific mechanic you know as opposed to the average person so like uh, do you do, do you find that these kind of stuff that like the kind of of feedback that you get from like from like developers and from sort of the uh, regular people, does that differ or like, is it the same? And like, you just kind of perceive it differently. Uh, it's, um, it's very, you know, it, it can be very different because uh, other developers, they'll give you uh, like the, the ones that are really good at critiquing work and looking at it from, uh, and, and, you know, stepping back from the project and looking at it, like uh, they can give you good insight as to how you can improve mechanics that are already there. Or uh, take it to the next. Sometimes they can even uh, offer good ideas in, in terms of taking the game to the next level. Um, and, and you know, people who are just game enthusiasts, they don't really have the technical understanding of how to articulate what's what's good or bad about the current state of the game. Uh, but what they can do is say, you know what, I would love to see. I would love to see something like this in the game, and I can like you know interpret that in a way where I can be like, okay, well, that's something buildable, or have I already tried something similar to that, and did, did it actually work out very well? What Did it did it break the balance of the game and stuff? But uh, uh, other game developers will, most for the most part, uh, give me advice that wouldn't necessarily break the uh, would break the balance of the game, because they, they already intuitively know what would balance this game, or any, any other game, you know, uh, pretty well. Um, so yeah, like uh, I, I would say that I get I get a bit more technical, like like as you said, I get more uh, technical advice from developers than I would just enthusiasts. But it's really really good to get it from the enthusiasts because they also tell you what they want to see as a customer and stuff, you know. And uh, and that's extremely valuable information. And sometimes it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that the game would be the most balanced. And sometimes I just have to 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 develop that mechanic in order to see if it's. Um, but developers will basically tell you off the bat, you know, what would be good, what would be bad, and stuff to add in the game. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing a lot of traveling as well. Oh, uh, yeah. You've, you've been tro- trooping up and down the eastern seaboard, basically, for, <laughs> for a bit. Absolutely. Because um, uh, uh, you had a, there was a, there was a demo night in Boston that you went to recently. And you, and yeah. you had some document uh, documentary footage that you took. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there was a a play test event uh, with the game. Like there, so there was like this organization called the Games Forum, and uh, it is both is based both in New York City and in Boston, and it may be bo- uh, based other places as well. I'm not sure, but uh, every once in a while they'll alternate between having a play test night. Every month they'll have a demo night where it's just like ten or fifteen developers come together in a room and they talk about what they're working on to an audience of like a hundred or so people is much more intimate uh compared to the play test event where they'll have like 40 sometimes 50 developers uh, occupy a big space um and show their to show their game off to like 200 300 400 people um you know uh for for like three or four hours which is really really cool i prefer the play test events because you can get a lot more feedback uh, from a lot of different people, uh, including the, the including some developers and stuff, um, and the demo nights are really nice as well because you know, but it's more it's more intimate. It's not it's not as many people that you can get the you know get the word out of your game to, and stuff. But uh, I attended the the Boston trip. Um, I believe that was when was that? That was like June twenty in, in, in June, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was that was a lot of fun. That was a whole whole lot of fun. It was great traveling out there and meeting people. As a matter of fact, the people I traveled out there, I had met at a demo night in New York City a few days oh, that's before. Awesome, awesome. yeah. That's great. 
Yeah, that was really really cool. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, one of the one of the people, uh, the woman that I was driving in, in the video with, she actually does the audio for that rock paper scissors game, and uh, and she d- has done a great great job. I remember like the the night before we drove out to um to Boston, I had uh, came to New Jersey and met up with her, and then uh, we got to uh, go to her uh, go to her studio place and uh, uh, design some sound sound effects for the game and quickly implemented them into the game for the Boston playtest event, and they sound so good. They sound so perfect. I mean, like some somehow her and her brother like did this voice work to announce the players when you select them, like rock, paper, scissors, yes. and uh, it sounds so good. It sounds so fantastic. Like I have to, I have to find a way for them to make it to the final version of the game. Is that is that AC Menes? Yes, that- AC Menes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've I've been talking to to her offline just to be like, hey, what's up? She she actually sent me her brother to to write for the site, so that was actually. It's funny how yeah. small the world is. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, she's, she's such awesome. a, she's such she's so incredible with that uh, with what she does and stuff. She also teaches classes and works on various other video games. Um uh she's just a, a godsend and stuff to the game industry. I hope she sticks yeah. with it. I hope so cuz she's super talented. The funny thing is I remember everyone by their Twitter handles at this point. I'm losing everybody's <laughs> actual names. You're so. losing humanity. I, it's like this the internet is sucking us all up and spitting us back out by our twitter and, and facebook names uh, so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll i'll link to some of her stuff in the show notes and i'll link to your uh mini documentary that you had uh filmed while you were doing that process and going to that demo night which i found really really fun it was it was nice to see uh, uh how excited you looked and, and how excited the folks who were there looked uh during that during that process how much fun was that thank you it was a ton of fun, absolutely ton of fun. Um, I definitely look forward to attending more of these events as well. Yeah, we have to see if we can get you out on the on the West Coast and see if there's some stuff out here that you can that you can run around and go to as well. <laughs> absolutely, dude. <laughs> that would be dope, dope, dope. Um, so what we're gonna do is re- actually I haven't asked Reef anything about if he's been playing anything this month because uh, we, we we're kind of. Uh, on the precipice of our breakdown segment, but I know that folks have been playing things, and I, I know that I know that you might be uh, you might have had a controller or, or a mouse and keyboard in your hands at some point, right? <laughs> oh, sure, absolutely. Um, I'd say recently. Um, I don't know how far we could go back, but I guess well, the recent things on my mind are finished playing the last episode of The Wolf Among Us. Okay um and the re- most recent episode of walking dead um and these two games have really kind of you know really reinvigorated my love of these point and clicks that i used to love as a kid mm-hmm. um my only worry is that telltale is going to be the only one doing this <laughs> <laughs> and that they're just going to kind of go out of favor i would have hoped that like walking dead like the first season kind of winning the awards and all that stuff would have spurred kind of other companies to get into this, but it seems like it's like, Oh, a game of Thrones game. Oh, like, like a telltale is doing it like this small company, you know? So I'm looking like both games are great. I think Wolf among us is actually better um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the writing and sort of like the, the uh, tone of it. Um, But I'm kind of worried that, you know, we're kind of at the apex of it now. So I'm trying yeah. to enjoy it as much as as I can. Um, 
Uh, I played uh, some Titanfall recently. They just dropped their new DLC, uh, Frontier Expedition. And I think Titanfall kind of gets a bad rap, man. Like, I think everyone I've talked to said, like, are you, like, like, you still playing Titanfall? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and these are people that like shooters. Um, I think Titanfall is still a lot of fun. I just think it was set up to be, like, the next-gen experience. Right. This is going to be like nothing you've ever seen yeah. before. And right. of course it's not, right? Um, but but it's still fun. I think the DLC is great. I think it's well-priced. Uh, we'll get to pricing later when we talk about PlayStation Now, but the DLC was 9 bucks, and I feel like on PlayStation Now, I can't even get like Crazy Taxi for that price. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Game Boy Advance. What? Uh, so, so I read a article about how someone found a way to get a Game Boy Advance emulator on the iPhone. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, by like, you like basically install a, a profile instead of an app and it shows up as an app. So I downloaded all these ROMs and, you know, during my lunch breaks at work, I've been playing like WarioWare and Advance Wars <laughs> and like all these games that I used to play back in 2001-ish. Um, so I've kind of been playing quite a bit of Game Boy Advance, man. And, and been, how's, it, how's it actually running on your phone? Is it, is it running well? Yeah, yeah. It, it runs great. They, they kind of have this like meter of like about, uh, it's it's like a 10 point meter that like lets you like uh, sacrifice kind of smoothness for uh fidelity okay um, but i think that's more for the older iphones because i haven't had any issues with it at the full uh um you know at the full power um and yeah i mean it was it was a great system i mean definitely one of my favorite like of, of the handhelds um and yeah so like just like reliving those kind of 16-bit-ish uh, era platformers and shooters and that kind of stuff. Wow. So. Tony, are you are you uh, able to play anything in the middle of developing uh, the Rock, Paper, Scissors game? Are you able to play anything of, of I, late? I really wish. Like, uh, I, I actually don't um, don't have any more... I don't have a console anymore because uh, my uh, Xbox 360 red ringed on me. Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's the power supply. I think it's the power supply. I'm not 100% sure. But, um, but yeah, like, I've, I've been so focused on this game that I really haven't had a chance to uh, fire up a game and play it, which I should. I really, really should. Like, I played a few uh, 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 Android games um, for, for, my, uh, for, my, for my cell phone. And, uh, like, uh, Battlefield... Um, no, no, I'm sorry, not Battlefield, but uh, Modern... Modern Modern uh, Combat Four and yeah. uh, some of the GT racing games, but mostly I'll play games from my other video game developers, like uh, pl- either play testing games or uh, or just uh, playing the games that they really released. Like uh, from Keyboard Games, I love playing Pretentious Game. Uh, Pretentious Game is like a really really simple like platformer game where you have these uh, you have like this box that is basically trying to navigate through this. Uh, through this um, obstacle course, but throughout the throughout the, this box's navigation is telling like a really sad story about love and loss and uh, betrayal and things like that. You know that are just so heartwarming that like you can't put the you you just can't put the game down. 
uh, you just want to hear what happens to this box and stuff, you know, and as it's traveling, trying to search for its long lost love and stuff, you know. So I love playing those types of games. And um, uh, another game is uh, 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 Crow Man and Wolf Boy from uh, a, a couple <laughs> of kids that I went to uh, school with. For they, they own a company called Wither Studio. And uh, they're based in Pittsburgh, and they released a game called Crow Man and Wolf Boy uh, about two years ago or so, or a year and a half ago. I and, remember uh, hearing about that game, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really awesome platformer game that has a really unique story um, uh, and uh, really uh, navigation mechanics. And uh, it's, like, very, very Twitch-based. And, like, I've been playing that game, uh, helping, them play test, uh, uh, helping them play test that game, getting it ready for Android and... Uh, and uh, and yeah, so like the, I've, I've been playing those kind of games, but as far as like AAA games, I haven't really had it. The last AAA game I played was was actually Titanfall. Actually, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, whenever I talk to devs, uh, I'm like, hey, so what are you even playing? They're like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have. They're like, I'm working. I'm trying to make a game. I have no time to play any other games besides my game. Yeah. Uh, no, but I get that. It's the grind, man. The grind is is. is nuts absolutely and you know it's not it's it's a bad thing though you know like we should as devs uh put take you know take some time off of work and play other developers games not just to be supportive and not just to gain other ideas and stuff but just to relieve the stress of having to focus and to pick on a game that we're making and stuff and uh, now sit back and enjoy you know like uh red dead redemption or uh or you know um sit back and enjoy like the, the latest skyrim build or something like that and just uh, taking the environment without having to like nitpick or anything like that about oh they did this wrong they did that wrong and, uh. <laughs> yeah was that uh, we in our last episode we had Lisa Brown uh, who is the main dev the lead dev on Slowdown Bowl uh, coming out of Insomniac Games and we we asked her that same question she was like I have no time to play games <laughs> <laughs> but I I get it it's it's hard it's hard you guys are like busting through and and trying to make make awesome things happen on your own end. Um, yeah. I, I got a chance to play some stuff this week, which was, uh, actually interesting. Cause I have not played, I don't really play anything as much as I used to. It's weird how, where my time goes when I'm thinking that I have time to play games, but I actually weirdly don't. Um, so I've been playing blue estate, uh, which is on the PS4 and it is a rail shooter, but it is like the rail shooter of misogyny and racist <laughs> tropes. <laughs> It's like is it like a rail version of Bioshock Infinite? Oh no! You stop that! <laughs> you stop that! It's 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 like if you took a really raunchy version of Big Trouble in Little China and made that game, but also added every racial stereotypical thing that you could just on top of it as like sprinkles. It's like <laughs> it's like racist sprinkles. That's what it is. <laughs> And it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because we're so it's, it's interesting, and, and then it's I didn't even talk about the misogyny. Anyway, so it's so it's like based off of a comic book, which I have now downloaded. And I'm about to read because I feel I feel like I need context for how this is, uh, <laughs> like how this is in the world at this point. But it came out in 2011, um, and it's interesting for a bunch of reasons, like. The, the gameplay mechanics are pretty simple because it's basically a light gun game, but you don't, you can't use a move controller. So you use the PlayStation 4 controller's light bar to do that, which is really awkward. 
um, because you're holding it in your hand, but it also calibrates while it's doing it. So it throws the way mm. that you would shoot kind of off. So you have to constantly hit the, the refocus, the recenter button oh. to kind of get your, to get your bearings right, which is not great. Yeah. Um, but like the first level, as soon as you turn the game on, the first thing that you see is this long legged stripper who is in her outfit and she like is walking in the way that you would make a stripper walk in a video game if you're a misogynist and she like runs up on a pole and like dances on the pole while the 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 beginning loading screen is happening like while the main menu screen is going on and i turned and i hit it and i turned it on and i was like what in the hell did i just turn on like i knew what i was getting but i didn't think it was going to be this blatant um (laughs) So it, it's interesting because I wanted a, ro- a real gun shooter to play. Like I didn't, I didn't want to play the, you know, House of the Dead stuff or, you know, I, I, lo- I love those games. That was like my quarter muncher of quarter munchers. Oh yeah. Go to like Dave and Buster's or something like that. Oh yeah, man. So I was excited for the real shooter part, but then as soon as I saw the like blatant old school <laughs> national lampoons kind of like over the top misogyny <laughs> stuff, I was like, where in the hell does this come from? How is this actually here? So I'm in a weird position. So I like the some of the shooting mechanics. I think they do some fun things from level to level. There is a there's weirdly a black protagonist in the game as well, where it switches from uh the again, the stereotypical Italian mobster dude to you as like a black dude who's in this underground uh military syndicate. And it it just is throwing me off because I want to like it. I don't know if I should be offended <laughs> and I don't know if I like the parts that are kind of offensive. So it's a weird, it's like weird back and forth of like, I shouldn't think that that was okay because it's not okay. And I don't think it's okay, but I feel like there's weirdly a place in the world for it. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that there's weirdly places for things that are like, if it's not super PC, you should still have a market for not PC things. Like it doesn't mean you have to ingest it and you have to yeah. you know, spend your money towards it. Yeah. But I think that weirdly there should be the space that non PC games have. Uh, not non PC is like computer, but non, you know, yeah. you know, well, non PC in that way. Is it trying to make a point or is it literally like, like not a damn point at all? Okay. Oh man, that's the worst. It's, it's not a point at all. It's, it's totally just for the sake of like, I can't. Okay. <laughs> it's like someone gave me money and they were like, you want to put this like, so there's a, there's one part in the beginning of the game where there, um, you go into this nightclub and there's a woman, the first shot of this woman, she's a, a, a larger woman. She's like heavy set, big, big breasted. She's a mermaid in a big ass glass bowl in the middle of the club. And the first thing you see is her. Is she like, heaves her breast forward like lifting her arms underneath her breast and heaving heaving them forward in a way that is only for dudes to look at and say hey oh my gosh she has big breasts it has no other purpose to to like it wasn't even like she was like moving her breasts out of the way because they're big it's like no let me put my breast towards the camera and then heave it forward so that you can see that i have big breasts and i was like who is this for that was the question i came away from it with it's like, who is this game for at this point in the in the society and culture that we're in? Besides the dudes who are at the strip club. 
And it was weird. It's weird. It's a weird game. I still haven't finished it yet. And it's not because I'm like, this is the worst misogynistic, terrible racist game in the world. It's just because I have other things I want to play. But it is it is a very interesting thing to play games like that now in the in the climate that we're in and to be weirdly offended on one end, but also like upholding other people's First Amendment rights to be like this, this should exist because you have a you have an idea that should be conveyed. It may not be a great idea, but you should be able to make terrible things in the world that we are in. <laughs> yeah, I hear uh, that. Yeah, so like that's one thing I'm playing and I and the the other thing I'm playing is The Last of Us Remastered, which uh if you've been watching any of our any of my Twitch streams, you've been seeing I've been playing multiplayer a lot lately and dying a lot. Uh that game is again a masterpiece. <laughs> I don't care what people say. I spent the money I don't care what you say. I did it. <laughs> and I did it without without any pause because one, I'm on the fence and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about the um EA Access and the uh PlayStation Now stuff. Um but I was weirdly this week after playing The Last of Us Remastered about to go trade my PS3 in which I still have and it made me rethink about it made me like rethink that whole process after the whole PlayStation Now thing. Um but Last of Us Remastered is gorgeous. The photo mode in that game is, is is exactly what you would have wanted. And I'm happy that they saw what happened in Infamous Second Son and said, we need to put this in this game. Yeah. Like, we have to we have to do this. And, I, and the fun thing is I got hyped because they did a Last of Us live reading uh, this week as well, uh, where Troy Baker and uh, Ashley Johnson... Uh, picked up their roles again for for one night only and did some of the scenes live. Oh, awesome! And I was oh. super hyped. I was so hyped after that. I was like, "Yo, I just yo, just give me, just give me my money. Where's my money? Where's my wallet? I'm gonna go buy this <laughs> thing now." <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a decent week for gaming. Uh, and also, Leafy Green, uh, my UFC fighter, uh, is now one step away from fighting the Spider and uh, 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 Mister Silva. And I, I will take him. I will take him to the championship round, All and right. I will beat Silva and break his rebreak his leg because that's what I do. Go ahead, Leafy Green. Leafy Green. Leafy Green champion for president. World, champion of the world. I will kiss babies <laughs> and I will hug children. And <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that said, uh, only thing that's getting broken down besides that guy's leg is our breakdown, and here it is. Break it down. So, coming back, uh, it's weird. EA Access for Xbox One. Have you guys heard about this? What's what's going on with this Xbox uh, EA Access stuff? I know you heard about this, Reef. What was what was that about? Yeah. Well, um, I kind of I understand what they're trying to do. I mean, essentially, they're making a subscription service for all the all of. I don't know if it's only EA titles or if it's like titles on Origin because like Origin has a bunch of different publishers and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're basically doing like a five dollar a month, uh, you know, thing. I believe only on Xbox One for now, um, where like you can pretty much. Uh, I think in the beta now they've only announced a couple games like Madden Twenty Five, FIFA Battlefield, Peggle Two, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Battlefield 4. 
yeah, w- which which I don't even know if it works on the Xbox One to be honest, but <laughs> but I guess that's in there. And you also get a uh, discount on digital purchases. Um, now I don't know if that's for any digital purchase or only for ones under the uh, EA thing, but yeah, it's a little weird. Um, um, oh yeah, and they also let you download games early, so like five days before the release date, if you're a uh, EA Access person. And I guess that's kind of dope. Then you can. Yeah, download. that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, they are. I mean, it's an interesting model. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, especially given things like PlayStation Now and other streaming services that they're doing their own thing. But I guess mm-hmm. after them on the PC kind of breaking away from steam with origin, they kind of do want to keep things in their own wheelhouse. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of don't know what to think about it. I mean, like obviously I'm not a heavy console player. I don't know how interesting this would be to a console player. Um, uh, I yeah. mean, uh, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that, uh, for, for, for a console player, I can kind of sort of see this being a, I, I remember like, uh, uh, years ago, there was this, uh, service called, uh, Gamefly. I don't know if that's still going on, but, uh, it's where you can like rent a video game for, yeah. you know, X amount of time and, and play it to your heart's content and stuff. And I kind of see this, I mean, I don't know if you're able to purchase and keep these games for that long, or if you're just renting them out. But like uh, I can kind of see this being the equivalent of an in-house like GameFly service with the EA uh, published games, and uh, you know it gives you a chance to try before you actually buy, which is which is pretty awesome. I mean, you you want to be able to uh, and, and without having to leave your house to head to a, a blockbuster if they're still around and uh, be able to you know rent these games out and stuff. I think it's a pretty cool service and stuff. Um, uh, I mean, like it would have to obviously it would just need to ha- have a lot more games under his belt and stuff. But I guess EA is just going to test the waters with some of these titles and uh, and see how they do um, with this particular uh, type of subscription uh, service. I don't I don't really see it hurting EA too badly. Like uh, seeing how you know, like um, they're only gonna they're only gonna be in business with this uh, with this endeavor. Like if someone rents out a particular game and stuff, you know. So I mean yeah. I don't really see it. I don't. I don't really see it hurting, but um, and I, you know, it it just seems like uh, it'd be a good try before you buy uh, a setup for EA. I think I think the one thing that I'm worried about, and this this is more on the the EA access tip than it is on the PlayStation Now side of it. Uh, that's not that's not like the R and B tip, um, <laughs> but or the TLC tip or the TLC tip. I was hoping somebody else was going to get that joke. Anyway, <laughs> so the, the the funny thing I find is that I, are people excited about this in any way besides people who are just EA fans? Because my thing is EA has not done well by people of late. So like chucking out money for that doesn't seem to necessarily be like the vote with your wallet kind of move. It feels like. You know, unless, the, you know, I didn't know about the five day early thing that for newer games, if newer games are going to be put into the pot, then that seems like a, a value add. But the the games that they've already put on the service right now, Battlefield 4 is broken as hell. Um, <laughs> Madden, for the most part, is Madden. Um, I mean, there's a there's a huge market for Madden fans. But the other the other games that they're really, you know, Peggle, Peggle is dope. But it's also just like 
if the games that you have, if you're, if you're going to continue to do what you've done in the past, which is nickel and dime everybody for everything you possibly can, a subscription based service doesn't necessarily give me any, you know, confidence that you're going to do anything right by the consumer besides yeah. just say, Hey, you're going to just check out some, some games here and there and hopefully we'll get a good one now and again. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, you know, saves will work in in this kind yeah, of ecosystem. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if there is a try before you buy kind of part of this. Cause I think that that's the, that's going to be the part where um, someone will get that part right and they'll make it so that you can, you know, rent it out for a hot second. And then like Gamefly, you can purchase a game later on. Um, yeah. Uh, PlayStation now on the other side of that is trying to basically dig in your pocket take your wallet, take your wife, take the lint out of everything <laughs> and try to leave you out on the cold corner with like no money left in your pocket for ridiculous prices. So mm. the, the the internet lost its mind <laughs> rightfully <laughs> so over the past, over this week because PlayStation now uh, coming out of beta has decided that they don't give any Fs about your wallet and they are just like, we want you to rent a game for five bucks, four hours for five bucks. Or was it nine bucks? I have the I have the that was uh, two ninety nine for four hours and uh, it was a five ninety nine for seven days. So so here's here's <laughs> it's like where did, where did people pull this this number out? Was this like some random magic? It was like they went on bingo night and they were like, all right, B five five ninety nine. That's awesome. We're gonna take that price. It was like who thought of this in a way that made any kind of sense? What do you guys think yeah. about this? I think it's I think ridiculous. It's, uh, I'm, absolutely. I mean, the prices, the prices, obviously, they have to change. I mean, like, if they're if they're going to offer an experience for four hours for three dollars, that's insane. Like, uh, like, and and what would you have to do? Like, would you ever say you're playing a twenty hour game, but you only want to play four hours of it and stuff? You know, like, and it, that you're going to be paying like ten bucks just to play that game and stuff. You know. But like, uh, as and that's if you play it straight through. But if you know, if you're trying to go for a game that that's like uh, that takes its time and stuff like that, like you know, to, to to play and beat and get the full experience out of it, it can end up costing you a pretty penny and stuff. You know, at the 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 price ranges definitely have to change. They definitely have to drop down. And I don't even. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what they were initially thinking when they uh, set up a service like this. But I can't I can't see it benefiting developers very much at all. Because no one's going to want to play their game on the PlayStation Network for the price tag that they were charging for. Yeah. What do you think, Reef? Yeah. I mean, I think the service itself is fantastic. I mean, I've been part of the closed beta since they started. And I mean, I know it's a limited amount of people on it, but the speeds, the I don't get any hiccups. I think the infrastructure is pretty tight. I literally think all they need to do is either lower the prices or just make it a subscription model. Because I wasn't kidding about this crazy taxi thing. I mean, four hours of crazy taxi for three dollars. That's crazy. Crazy taxi. It's crazy for crazy. Taxi. I play crazy taxi in the arcade when there were arcades. <laughs> like this is insane. The you know? weird thing also is like, so I uh, I was looking at some of the games on the list, and this goes back to the conversation about um, Metal Gear Four, right? So Metal Gear Four is one of my favorite games of all time. I love that game. I think I had it underneath my pillow one night when I was sad. And 
it has brought me nothing but joy. And that game is a long game. That game is not short. It nowhere's near short. Mind you, in at GameStop now, which is another company that hates you. Um, I'm not gonna say <laughs> I'm not gonna say Sony hates you, but Sony PlayStation now prices hate you. You can get that game for sub ten dollars, I believe, at this point. And PlayStation now for ninety days for three months, you can you can have that game on your system and stream it for fifteen dollars. What kind of crack are they smoking? Because that's like a really amazing level of crack. Because you can't you can't have that kind of a game and also expect to play it in short bursts. You have to play that game for a long period of time. Yeah, I feel like the cutscenes won't even get you past that four-hour initial rental. Yo, I didn't even <laughs> think about that. I didn't even think about that part. You Absolutely. might have. You might play for. You might pay five. What is it? Three dollars for four hours of cutscenes. Yeah. And like I wonder, yeah. it, I wonder if it just stops at that four-hour mark. So you'll be in the middle of like a twenty-minute cutscene and just stop. I think, I think that, I think, I think they did say that once you do start a four, at least because the lowest tier is the four-hour is the four-hour rental. Uh, it will pick up if you do rent it again, uh, wherever you left off. So it'll pick up and you're, you'll have a cloud save that'll go towards um, where you were. Um, you're right. I think the subscription service part is way more of a like a value add. I think that's way smarter in that respect. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to, to decouple that with uh, PlayStation Plus. Because PlayStation Plus at this point is kind of the the flagship online subscription service for games at this point besides gamefly gamefly is still around and gamefly you get things for basically as long as you want um but it also the thing i'm worried about is and i'm and i'm gonna say this on on the show and i'm gonna say it out loud i'm agreeing with a hip-hop gamer when i say this yes i'm agreeing with him i love you hhg (laughs) um uh, is that when he ranted like a month ago about the the, the prices, which I had seen because I was part of the beta, he was absolutely right. He was like, "This might be a DOA kind of kind of situation if they don't get the pricing fixed up and straightened out quickly." You know, folks might yeah. look at this and say, "Hey, I, why would I even touch this until you guys get your your shit straight?" So, absolutely, yeah, it's it's gonna be funny to see. The, the one thing I'm actually worried about more than the actual pricing um i guess the pricing is the is the the most uh, egregious part but this is like a terrible showcase for a technology that you just spent over like half a billion dollars for yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean cuz cuz the weird thing is this is it works pretty well if you have a, a decent um a decent connection but if you're going to make it seem like people can't play it because the price is too absorbent exorbitant than uh well you know kind of, go ahead tony yeah I, I was gonna say well you know like uh given given sony's track record for uh business um usually they'll go they they usually won't implement a new business model until they're sure that it can be one over the long term and like over a 10-year period or the duration of a console cycle mm-hmm. and so like looking looking at these prices the, i mean keeping in mind this is the early stage I, like they're they're going to get the picture that the prices are going to be a huge problem, and um and they're going to probably adjust 
adjust, adjust the cost for or or either adjust the cost or the duration of time a person gets in a, an experience um on their service and and knowing that like they, they they can probably drop this down to like 199 or even 99 cents for four hours or something like that mm-hmm. and do, then uh and if they were go, go ahead do either of you think that i mean they're doing this on purpose so 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 that they can set the prices maybe slightly higher than yes they should and and then we'll be like well at least it's not three dollars for four hours yes i I was gonna say microsoft does a a similar business model whenever they're selling their brand new consoles they'll sell they'll sell it for like the full full, the full and stuff and you 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 had for example with the connect buy an xbox uh one with the connect and the connect actually runs the xbox one at the entire package uh an extra hundred dollars and stuff right but now they're thinking about taking away the connect or they've taken away the connect and then they're going to charge it separately but they're going to charge the connect to be like 150 bucks or something like that you know as opposed to uh getting it with the xbox or just 100 or so you know i don't, I mean, I don't I... know if... go, go ahead okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I think the the I think that they didn't think about it that that much. I don't I don't think they really put the forethought into it. And this is this is the result because think about this. It's like the worst thing you can get right now, besides especially when you're launching a new service, is bad press. Oh and this yeah, this is exactly what they're getting with this. They're getting a whole crap ton of bad press because. If you, I mean, we saw what happened, like you said, Tony, with the with the connect, and when they pulled it out of the box, you know what I mean. Then everyone was super excited. But before that, with the DRM, they never recovered from that. Yeah. You know, like the the the, the DRM stuff, and the, the connect is watching you, and it's part of the Illuminati and all this stuff. Oh like yeah, yeah. They never they never really recovered from <laughs> uh, any of that bad press. So it's like Sony is riding high on a lot of goodwill, um, but I think. With people already fussing and complaining, if you heard last week's show about the lack of features that are coming out on the on the PlayStation Four because everybody on uh, Xbox is getting all these cool features, and now the one feature that you do kind of push out is like a, di- a differentiating differentiating factor between your console and the other one is super expensive for no reason. That's not good press. You don't <laughs> no, get good push off of that. <laughs> I guess maybe they're banking on the hardcore fanboys to really pay for the uh, development work to get this service out there and they'll probably have these high price tags just to see how well it'll do with the core fanboys of uh sony uh playstation and then they'll probably maybe drop the prices back to make it more welcoming for uh for you know the less hardcore uh, uh game players for sony I'm, I'm not sure i mean i can see that making sense like like one thing for sure is is that sony wouldn't make a move unless they're sure that they could possibly win in the long run and, and, unless there was a chance that they can win at least in the long run if not in the short run as well so uh it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with this in the next six months to a year mm-hmm. but but uh but one thing is definitely for sure that we all know it's it's definitely going to have to drop that price tag down but i wonder just how much the uh, the hardcore fanboys would uh would pay for it. uh how or, or how long they'll hold this uh this this current price model up yeah 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 it's it's unfortunate because they have a pretty decent selection my only complaint is that in the closed beta they had one of the greatest movie to game translations i played uh pacific rim <laughs> the video game. 
and it is one of the worst video game modern video games i've played that i was forced <laughs> to play it for hours because i was so mesmerized at how bad it was so <laughs> so then when they went to this open beta it was like this title no longer appears no where am i going to oh. get my pacific rim fix damn that's <laughs> I want, I want, I want you to write the back of the box quote for Pacific Rim. Oh, dude, it is so bad. Oh my goodness. My thing. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you guys: Is uh, besides going subscription based, is there anything that you see or that you are really excited or really would like to see from either EA Access or PlayStation Now? Well, I would um, say for EA Access, um, I think number one, they shouldn't have such a limited selection like ea has his hands in a lot of stuff you know i mean like if they could start throwing like uh you know like things like mass effect and titanfall and things that they have from that aspect i think that that would make it a more reasonable service um because i i think they're keeping it a little too close to the to the chin and i know that they're trying to slowly release it but i think for these you kind of got to go all or nothing if you're really trying to do this like you can't kind of be like the uh like the wii e-shop and try to come up with like something a week and expect you know to kind of maintain that excitement um yeah um but no i think that the downloading early is great and i think five dollars a month is a reason is a reasonable price that most people would just say i can do that and just not even think about it but Mm -hmm. but but they they have this library and they're just not using it, and I think that you know that they should. I, yeah, I mean, I'm that, that makes less. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, I mean, they could put all the sim games like Dragon Age, like yeah, like like there's just a bunch of stuff that they can throw on there. Absolutely, and I wonder why they haven't really made that move initially because uh, if you're going to make a move like this, if you're going to offer a service like this, you'd want to have the most popular titles show, or at least a few of the most popular titles show up. It's a battlefield. Uh, battlefield is really, really busted net code, really busted code in general. And, um, and FIFA and Madden are very, very similar to the last year ones and the year before that, you know. So, like, these these really aren't the most enticing titles for your first wave of customers to come and play this uh, or, or pay for this service for and stuff. I, I, but I wonder why they don't have those because, you, like you said, they have they have the licensing for these titles and stuff. So they can obviously do something like that if they wanted to. Um, the only thing I can think of is is either kickback to the uh, main developer company. There must be some sort of like legal, like loophole or something like that, or um, some some sort of some sort of legality holding them back uh, from doing from from putting those games out there, or maybe some type of like financial deal where they have to figure out how much the developer is going to get versus how much they're going to lose being on that service and stuff. I mean, like th- those are the only things I can really think of that, or maybe, maybe possibly. Uh, some of the net code for for this so like uh if they're going to be making a purchase through this service this service must have some sort of uh back end like api protocol where you have to uh, uh request information from customers back and forth uh to the game with customers so they must they must have something like that where uh these these other tools aren't fitted for this type of service just yet and there has to be some type of modification source code for the game to really work with this type of service, uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure, but it is kind of strange how these how these titles 
are are the first launch titles for this type of service. Yeah, I think um, the one group of people who we should be hearing from at this point is Nintendo. Nintendo, if they launched a service like this that was just straight sub, uh, subscription-based, I think they would make bank. Oh, yeah. They would they would win the internet on on that one because that's the thing that people have been waiting for for a long time is like, hey, Nintendo, we want to buy all your back catalog, make it, you know, like a PlayStation Plus kind of subscription and people would be down. I think they would make bank off of that. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity that they're missing. And I think a lot of people tend to think of like the really old games to do that. with. I I think they'll be they will make bank even doing it with like. GameCube and Wii and N64 games. I mean, they, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's really just for them, it's like they would need kind of a management change to make that happen because, you know, they're, the owners of Nintendo just don't want to do it. I mean, they've been under pressure to do it. And now with their financial results, you know, they're under even more pressure to make some changes. But that's just something that they're just not willing to bend on. I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. they're, they're pulling a very, you know, straight arrow Japanese way of like, no, we're not doing anything that would make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about your happiness. It's about the health of the company. Oh, my God. It's a shame. Well, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Well, a thing that will keep everyone happy and healthy is music, right? Music is the the, the one that sues the sav- savage beach. beach. Wow. Sues the savage beach. What the... <laughs> Khalif can't talk. Soothes the savage beast. Jesus Christmas. What uh, Uh, is wrong with you? I can't talk. (laughs) I've I've been talking all day. That's the problem. Are your lips numb? (laughs) (laughs) Don't make fun of my speech impediment. That's messed up. Sometimes I can't say words. It's not my fault. Anyway, like I was saying, we have a music break that's coming up. Um, this is this is kind of kind of off the rails and kind of uh, a little bit different than most of the music breaks that we've had before. Uh, so we hope that you like it and take a listen to it because it's coming right about now. Thank you. 
Hey everybody, we are back from our music break. I hope that you liked that. That was a little bit different, uh, a little bit of a uh, flavor that is kind of more ambient and more instrumental. Uh, I, I will say that that joint is from the album that is supposed to be coming out soon called Phone In, Phoned In, uh, from yours truly. It's a five track EP that's more ambient and kind of like instrumentally. Uh, and I hope you liked it. It was something I do in my spare time and I hope that people kind of dug it. The real name of the album was going to be sitting on the toilet thinking of something to do, do, but, but that didn't fly and you can't, cause it would have put all the parental advisory stickers on it. It would have been like a Nicki Minaj album cover. (laughs) (laughs) And it would have been like you on the cover in a thong. No, hell no. Not in this life. No one wants to see that. No one ever wants to see that. Uh, and the reason why it's called phoned in is because all the tracks that I make are on my phone. I make them from my phone. Uh, so, ah. I, so I hope you like it and, uh, let me know what you think. They're pretty short and sweet. Uh, so word, word and double word. So <laughs> something else that is not short and sweet, uh, is no man's sky, which is like, I think the most anticipated game that anyone ever has ever seen in a long time. Uh, oh man. It's I it's one of those games that once I saw the E3 uh kind of kind of walk through I knew that I wanted it even more than I thought I did. Um and that game was supposed to be from what we all thought just a PS4 exclusive. But from what I've heard from Edge magazine this this week, uh that bad boy is coming to PC. Yes. So yeah, all, nice. all PC Master Race rejoice. Yeah, it, yes. it'll it, it 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 it'll still be a timed exclusive. So PS4 will definitely get it first. But right. uh, this was one of those games where I kind of had a list of what will make me buy a next gen console. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one thing on there was Destiny, and the other thing on there was No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Now I can strike that off the list. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh my god, people are like, I've I've been watching the internet since I saw this, and I think that the funny thing is like. From what Neo Gaff was telling me, because it was it was running edge. It was a, a story that was running edge uh, when they did a, a, a whole piece on the game. Uh, but folks, you know, I, I saw it in Neo Gaff, and they were like, "Yeah, this one clip of him during the conference where they said debuting on PS4 basically let the door open, saying that hey, it may come to other platforms." Um, I'm excited. I mean, it's weird now because now that I have a, a rig that may possibly play it. I mean, I play boot camp through my MacBook. I'm hoping that maybe the specs won't be too crazy and maybe I'll be able to play it on that. But if you have a rig that can run it super pretty, damn, you're going to have a treat on your hands. What do you what do you what do you think, Tony? Yeah, no, I I was absolutely uh, floored at the uh, at the uh, trailer for the game. Uh, about just like being able to go to these brand new worlds and being able to hop in the plane and uh, airship and just take off out of the atmosphere into space, have a space battle and then fly into the atmosphere of another planet and stuff. I was just like, I watched it over and over again. I thought it was such a such an awesome looking game that uh, if there's anything that's going to pull me out of this uh, video game hiatus, uh, it's going to be that game for sure. Yeah, it's, it looks pretty crazy. What do you think, Ree? Have any guys played Spore? Yes. Okay, so oh, when I first got, so when oh oh yeah, I'm not saying recently. <laughs> <laughs> I was just playing Spore last night. Oh, just playing that new Spore <laughs> DLC. 
Um, I can't get enough of it. (laughs) So like Spore was sold on being this adventure where you start, you know, as a little amoeba and you sort of, by the ending part, you're like going to different planets and trading and like that kind of thing. This game, when I saw that E3 trailer, reminded me of the excitement I had when I first heard um, them talking about Spore. Now, whether it lives up to it, I'm not sure. But to me, this is the kind of game where it doesn't really need to be great at everything independently. Right. If it's one really good package where it's like, okay, the first person shooting is good, but not... is it doesn't have to be like a better like like flying game than every flying game, a better racing than every racing, or a better like it can really be sort of like I kind of think of how like you know a game like Grand Theft Auto Five has gotten really good at these like mini games to where they feel like actual games, right? You know, like their yeah. tennis isn't going to be the best tennis or golf be the best golf, but it's, but it's pretty damn good. As long as this is pretty damn good in all those aspects and you can seamlessly go through them, I mean, this game is going to rock. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's dinosaurs. How can you go wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like five or six different video games all in one. It's like a shooter, an exploration game. Also, like there's dinosaurs in it and stuff, that, like you said, and you can take off from one space battles and stuff and go from one planet to the next. It's absolutely insane. It's almost as if like that's the game that you would want all space games to be able to do and stuff, you know? Right. Dude, They're just I, finally adding that and stuff. It's I, like, just, I just lose it every time I see you flying close to a planet and then you go into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like It's just that part, especially being like a science nerd, like I am, that's something that I've always wanted to do in games. Like, yeah. like, a, like a, when I beat the end of a Star Fox level and the planet is huge, I'm like, okay, let me just fly into it. I don't want to go to the, <laughs> I don't want to go to the good luck screen and end up on the planet. Um, I want to <laughs> actually transition through the atmosphere and all that stuff. And man, that game is so, yeah. it's so good. It's funny because the when I when I saw them do that demo. I was one of the first people who was disappointed in the fact that I saw shooting in it. I was like, no, I don't want there to be shooting in it. Because the concepts of it, if people don't know, it's basically like if you... So you start off on your own planet. Everyone spawns into the world. You start off on your own planet. That planet is uniquely yours. And what you're trying to do is basically gather resources and explore and do all these things to get to whatever it is at the center of the universe. And... The beauty of the way that the world populates is that everybody else who spawns into the game, their planet is now in your universe. It's in the universe. So you can go and discover things on their planet that they haven't discovered and vice versa. So it's like you're all building the world while being in the world while exploring the world all at the same time. That in concept is mind blowing for a game concept. And I, I'm only worried that the, the hype is going to crush it and it like you said people were even if it does things well people are going to kind of crap on it because it didn't do magical things that they had weird expectations for um i'm hoping <laughs> that game that game I, i'm just so hyped for that game. yeah that game is going to be so dope but we do need people to shoot for the moon man like yep. this is kind of kind of what this next gen is about and it means that some of the early people that shoot for the moon probably won't make it 
Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then like somebody will land amongst the stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is what this is what to me, like the next gen should be is like people thinking of new things to do and just going for it. Yeah. You know, and this isn't yeah. some huge, some huge company doing this. That's know? the crazy I mean, thing is yeah. like, I think they're only 13 people deep, which is nuts. To think that they are doing a super ambitious game. Like, did you hear about the um, did you I, I, did you hear about the bots that work in No Man's Sky's world? No. no. So so what they talked about this was this was during like a, a giant bomb interview or something like that. Um, so uh, one of the guys asked them. He said, "Well, how do you know? You know, because they were like, all right, the atmosphere of these games. Are you going to have like a bunch of green and blue planets and stuff like that?" Um, is that the way that that's going to work? Um, and people were saying, well, no, we're not going to have like just the same, you know, same colored planets everywhere. We're going to have like multiple planets that are going to be made up of different minerals and materials and things like that. And that's the way that the worlds will be colored and the way that their minerals are going to be made up for on the actual landscape. So what they did is in the computative, like way that they figure things out, they basically, made bots and robots that go onto the planets themselves take pictures and report back about what is actually living on the planets themselves oh yeah yeah i did hear about this yeah yeah and i was like are you serious what are you talking about you actually made that what the hell like and they take pictures in gift form so that you can see how the world is manufactured and how it's like the ecosystems are working that shit is dope that is so ridiculously dope. How do you figure that out? I have Absolutely. No, I have no idea. What, what was this game called again? <laughs> no Man's Sky. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about a, diff- a different game. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, it's like so many different games, man. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. No, I thought you were describing this game. What was it called? It's a game that uh, that it takes. Um, it's being developed by a company called Lazy 8 Studios. And uh, basically, it's like a it's like a whole world that you can't even actually navigate to. You can only just take pictures of the high high detailed pictures of the world, and it will take like four hours or six hours just to get to you, just to be able to download this photograph and stuff that you've taken all over the world and stuff. We can what it's called and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah, I thought, I thought that's what you were talking about. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be. Um... I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree, Reef, that you have to shoot for the moon. And you kind of hope and pray that more people are going to go for it. Um, I hope. I hope so. Because if, we, if, he, if he hits it, if they hit it. And it's crazy because the game that they made before this was like Joe Danger. Yeah. <laughs> you, go from, you go from Joe Danger to making like one of the most ambitious games of all time. That's kind of dope. Gotta do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling for them. Yeah, I also wonder, like, if you land on these planets and roam around, if it basically turns into into like Daisy, with, like a bunch of people just like trolling each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because it's like goat. Like the there was a Peter Molyneux game called I think Godus, and it was so it was basically like you are playing God and you get to watch humans do things that that they just do and hopefully that they will like break into factions and be helpful and and stuff like that. But if they don't, it just turns into what we see every day in the in the, the normal world, which is <laughs> awful and terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping that Hello Games pulls it off because if they do, then they will like 
they will they would have put themselves on the map in a in a way that a lot of smaller companies have never done. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be dope. That'd be crazy dope. Um, and I guess we're almost at the end of this show. This was a a pretty crazy show. Um, and this last uh, article uh, was one from Patrick Klepek, our friend Patrick Klepek, who doesn't know that he's our friend. Um, <laughs> Um, and he wrote this article that was titled our relationship with physical media is about to change. And I think this is apropos of everything that we've kind of discussed this, this episode, this was like the, the virtual in the year, in the, in the year 2000. Wow. <laughs> throwback Conan. I like yeah. It. Throwback Conan. It was, it was like in that kind of deal. Like we're talking about the future folks. We're talking about things that are going to be coming up in the way and changing the way that you play games, uh, for the years to come. Um, and he kind of talked about how physical copies of games or how physical media and our relationships to them are going to change in ways that we didn't think. So, you know, with the, the, the additions of the EA accesses and, you know, hopefully all of us going to a more digital space, um, that what you keep as the games that you actually keep in physical form are going to be more telling about your personality and you as a person than it will about the actual games themselves. And I thought that that was really freaking interesting. I thought that was a very cool angle to kind of come at that story. What do you, what, do you, what did you guys think about that? I was going to say, go ahead, go ahead, Tony, you go first. Oh yeah, that is really interesting. And I kind of see where they're coming from with that, uh, with that standpoint of, uh, making sure that like whatever you per- whatever hard media, p- uh, you're purchasing and stuff is going to kind of be declarative to your home versus, uh, being something that like you just have to sit there and play and stuff all day. Well, that was a very interesting take. I can certainly see like, uh, like the di- like the digital world being something that became so dominant that it's like the everyday thing and stuff and like having uh having downloaded having uh purchasing um like hard copies of video games and stuff uh, kind of transforming into vinyl and stuff like what mm-hmm. vinyl became to society and stuff. Totally, oh, that, that was pretty, yeah, very interesting as well when the article was talking about that. Yeah, what do you think, Ree? I mean, so I've pretty much transitioned to almost all digital and especially being a PC gamer, you know, Steam has been, you know, fairly, fairly the dominant source and like Distora and good old games and all this stuff. So most of my games are digital Um, on the Wii U. I download everything Um, and most of my books I do. I do buy a lot of books on Kindle, but I also probably buy the same amount like physical just because I like the idea of going to bookstores and reading books and buying them and meeting authors and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm totally with Patrick on the movies, though. I haven't bought a movie that wasn't digital in I don't know how long. Yeah. You know, Um, but I think I mean, I really think that it just means that you have to choose more about what you display. Like, I think sometimes there's this sort of romanticism of us having all our game boxes out and that kind of thing. It's like we had no choice. <laughs> You're you right. Know? Like, I wasn't downloading, like, over that Sega network that they had set up. Yo, Sega Net know. was the shit. Don't, don't front on Sega Net. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, 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 I mean, I just feel like this is the best time because I can say... Hey, I want to drop like two hundred fifty dollars on the Call of Duty collect 
collector's edition and have a remote control car or a, or that gears of war like you know like the lancer or whatever you know like like yeah. you like you can choose to get these bundles and if you're into that or you can choose not to like it wasn't like we were displaying all this stuff because we had some oh I want to show everything it was because we had no choice mm-hmm. you know yeah. um so I like having choice now because because there are some things that I buy you know and like i buy like different like game art books and stuff because i really like game art you know so i have like some nice like coffee table size books of that um and i have like my little trinkets and things um but most of my stuff is always going to be digital and only the stuff that's really special is going to be physical that that's that's kind of how my breakdown is right now yeah it's been really interesting on my end to having just moved and having to do the purge basically of stuff that you really don't need. Like I, I was digging through all the boxes of stuff and I was like, I really don't need this God of war three Pandora's box. I don't need this. <laughs> why do I, why do I have this right now? Cause I mean, it used to like hold an extra controller, but for the like, and it was a really cool like add on. It was like a cool kind of like swag thing to have, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a terrible cheap plastic thing from China that I, I don't ever look at and collects dust. It doesn't really <laughs> do anything that makes it necessary for me as a gamer. Um, and it's also weird, too, because like going back to that conversation about me kind of like debating on if I'm going to trade in my PS3 um, is like I I'm a trader like I fund my game purchases through the trade-ins of other games i don't i don't have the collector's bug because to a certain extent like you do have the 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 nostalgia of playing certain games but it's very rare that i will go crack open a game that i played 10 years ago and say hey i'm i want to go down that memory that memory lane right uh, now. that's why steam is yeah. so awesome man <laughs> that, that's the thing right is like the mm-hmm. the funny thing is i'm not even doing that now like buying things digitally kind of makes me play through games a little bit faster because I want that hard drive space back once I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like I need I need to kind of finish this so I can get this hard drive space back and like not cuz I don't, I didn't throw like a terabyte drive in my PS4. I may do it at some point, but also like I I'm not doing that just yet. And I'm already running not running out of space, but I'm like getting to the point where I'm picking and choosing what I'm keeping on that hard drive just so I can have space for things that are coming up uh sooner so yeah it's it's an interesting take on you know the conversation about you know what we're playing how we're playing it what is the what is the nostalgia factor and what does that actually mean for you know the digital space that we're going to be uh soon in uh as gamers i'm i'm hoping that you know companies think about the process of making you know drm not a real thing anymore making transferable uh credits for things like if there was a way to have maybe like use the playstation camera and you know copy the upc code or the or scan the the upc code so they were like hey you already have this game maybe you'll get the new version of last of us at a cheaper rate i mean you can already do some of that on on uh, xbox uh, like the xbox one with the you know scan a code stuff if they can figure out things like that where the publishers are making money on the back end and gamers can still, you know, kind of kick GameStop out of the way, I'm totally down for that future. I think that future is wanted by all of us at some point. 
it's gonna change. I mean, like these these kids that are brought up on iPads, they're not gonna be going to GameStop. I don't think at least. Right. Yeah. I th- I think uh, I can't remember which article I read about that, but I do remember reading something that where they were where they were they were uh, thinking about business model of just going completely digital as more as much digital as they possibly can. Yeah, we'll see if that actually plays itself out the way that I hope it does. Um, it's only going to be if developers and they and other folks like the indie market and like the indie uh, game development community have decided to kind of circumvent all the stuff that GameStop has been doing by having their own, like the Desoras and the the other stores that are that are doing things that they can basically make that money without having to go through a middleman. Um, Tony, how, how do you have you think about do you think about that often as far as like how do you, how do you, how do you monetize all the, the the stuff that you're doing? Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about uh, monetization for that rock paper scissor game, um, and just taking just just looking at uh, like the different possibilities between PC, Mac, and Linux, uh, doing uh, mobile releases and doing console releases. And uh, I've been reading a lot of articles and stuff that basically, I mean, there's a lot of hype about mobile. Everyone wants to have a game on mobile, but the problem with mobile is there's such there's such there's so much saturation that it's really hard for your game to get visibility. And really, saturation is a, a problem everywhere you go. But with the cost that the the hidden cost between getting a game on iPhone and keeping it on the uh, the iPhone market and um, and versus Android, uh, like like it turns out that like uh, the mobile market really only makes up a small percentage of revenue for the entire game industry. Uh, there's a lot of downloads. There's a lot of new people who don't play games playing mobile games and stuff. And it gets it gets it could get your game out there, but like at the end of the day, you won't really be able to make much money on it and stuff unless you're one of the big six companies or so, um, or you or you're signed with them. Uh, so like I think I think like the best route for any developer particularly like myself would be just to go for a PC Mac and Linux launch and and then move to mobile and then move to consoles shortly after that and stuff. So, um, so like things, things like GameStop and stuff. I mean, like they, uh, like I I can't really ever see like with the resources that I have now be, see my game being able to be sold, you know, through a channel like GameStop and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I just focus on you know like Steam and stuff like that. But even Steam has a lot of saturation issues as well. So I don't. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just saying. There's been a lot of articles recently about how some developers are starting to get not upset with Steam Greenlight, but feeling that it's becoming yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's like too much stuff to get noticed. Absolutely, and you. I mean, that's the problem, though, is you have to curate that stuff well, and if you can't, then it's really hard for developers to get their stuff. Exactly, and how do you, though? That's always the big issue. Like, how do you curate uh, so many different games that are coming in, uh, de- coming down the pipeline uh, through your channels and stuff? It's, it's very hard. I remember Val gave Newell talking about how, oh, our curation system is going to be pretty awesome. Like, you know, it's, we're not worried too worried about that and stuff. But obviously, like, it is it's, it is a, it's a problem for everybody, and it's going to continue to be a problem until you figure out a good way of breaking up all these channels so that everyone can get visibility and stuff. And there really, there really isn't... I haven't really seen any very good ways of, 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 of curating uh, uh, so many games and stuff. So saturation is just such a huge issue uh it's it's really 
yeah, I'm not not really sure what to say or do about it. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the PC side uh, deals with that. Yeah, um, that's kind of the beauty of of the console uh, uh, ecosystem in which you know you don't have saturation because things get put back pushed back like six months every time they come out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the way you fight. That's the way you fight saturation. You just get everything pushed back into one into one section of one year. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we're about to get up out of here. Um, and Tony, I want to thank you again for being on the show, man. I'm so happy we finally made this happen. Absolutely. Likewise. Uh, I'm so excited that you were able on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having um, me as well. It's definitely a blessing to be on. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited for all the things that are going to uh, be coming up uh, for you in the future with Philosopher Play and, and uh, your Rock, Paper, Scissors game and every other, every other thing that you're going to be doing. It seems like you have hands in many many pots and you're doing well in each one of them so uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> if you if you could share um if you have any other projects that are that you might be uh, dabbling in or anything that you want to plug any of your social media stuff the floor is yours oh absolutely yeah uh if you want to find out more about that rock paper scissor game uh you can uh check out check me out on twitter at uh you uh Twitter uh, at Philosophy um, is the is the uh, is the username. Um, also on Facebook, you can check me out at Philosophy and uh, YouTube as well. It's YouTube uh, backslash Philosophy, uh, and that's uh, P H I L O S O P L A Y. Um, also, you can check out the the website. It's uh, philosophyplay.com where I post up all all the news uh, and the latest things that uh, Philosophy is developing with that rock paper scissors game, as well as whenever uh, I'm able to go to different shows and uh, events, and I like to do like little documentaries of my experience there um, at that show, and I like to post that up on my website as well. Um, so you guys can check check those out, and uh, I'd be happy to hear from everybody. You can just uh, contact me on Twitter or fa- or on uh, Facebook as well, and uh, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening uh, about that rock paper scissors game. Word, word, word. Uh, Reef, uh, people know you from everything on the internet because you basically run the internet. I think you are like the internet Ill- Illuminati yourself. I think I think when people <laughs> when they look you up, they're gonna see <laughs> Sharif Jackson, Neil Tyson, DeGrasse, Jay Z, Solange, and uh, a goat. A goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the in in the vein of me replaying through Deus Ex because they're playing through it on uh, Polygon. I'm the Morgan, the most racist game in. Of no, all no, no, time. not Human Revolution. I'm talking about, oh, talking oh, about the other. original 1999. Oh, take Deus it back. Ex. I'm the I'm oh, the Morgan okay. Everett <laughs> of the Illuminati. A black man run the Illuminati in France. I love that game. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you can check out my science blog at sharifjackson.com or sciencelooksgood.com. Uh, follow the hashtag sciencelooksgood on Twitter. Tweeting out cool science stuff, physics, astronomy, all that good stuff if you want to check that out. And you can check out my podcast where we talk about uh, work life from a black geeky perspective. Um, it's called Operation Cubicle, and you can check us out at operationcubicle.net, at Operation Cube on Twitter. Um, and, or subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, or Podomatic. Um, and thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I'm I'm always how I can't talk. Jesus Christmas! I can't talk today. Uh, I'm always excited and happy to have you on the show. 
uh, it's always fun and always enlightening because you talk about dope things and you have to really check out his blog and, uh, his live tweets. Cause he right now, all I see up and down my damn timeline is extent, extent, extent. Yes, that's true. I'm live <laughs> tweeting extent, the new, uh, Holly Berry sci-fi show. To be honest, not that good of a show, but I bet you it's better than the leftovers. Though I haven't seen the leftovers, but you know, I I like the live tweet shows that have some element of sci-fi or science in them, and then on the website kind of expand on one element um, that's from the uh, show. So I kind of like to play off, and like live tweeting is just really fun, um, and I like supporting you know shows with uh, black leads, obviously. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and also check out Reef's spinoff is Operation Cubicle spinoff Rhyme Right. Uh, which is really dope because it gives some some really cool perspective of uh, some some of your favorite hip hop tracks that you that you may or may not have listened to in a long time. Um, so that's that's always always a great uh, palate palate cleanser as well uh, on the internet. Absolutely, and uh, and it's on the same yeah. Operation Cubicle feed. So if you go there, it'll all be on the same same feed to subscribe to. Word, word, and word. Nice. Um, if you want to check us out, we are at the spawnpointblog.com. We are also at uh, on Twitter. We are at spawnpointblog, at spawn on me. Uh, our co-host and lovable friend of mine, Stubby Stan, is at Cicero. Uh, at Cicero is at Stubby Stan. He <laughs> his name is Cicero. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when he's not here. I don't know how to do the social media business. Um. Uh, you can also check out uh, our our newest uh, newest addition to the Spawn Point family, Dan Dan Moore, uh, Denimus Prime uh, is out there. And actually, uh, really quick before we go, um, I want to give a big shout out to him because he put out a really dope uh, Guacamole video review, which was one of our first video reviews ever. Uh, he did an amazing job on that. While also doing this week, he did a tag team uh, effort. I think they were the new Harlem Heat. He and Cicero, <laughs> they, did, they basically did a, a breakdown of EA Access. Uh, Cicero on the written and uh, Dan on the video, uh, which you should check out on the site. It's up on the front page in the carousel up there, and it was on N4G when we broke the Halo story. Not broke it, but we like shared out some really dope uh, footage, and it went crazy. Um, so yeah. Check us out on all those things. We're on Stitcher, Podomatic. Uh, we're really mostly on SoundCloud right now. That's what you really should be checking for us. Um, you can see all of our stuff right there. I want to give a big, huge shout out to Lisa Brown last from last week's show. Uh, again, her game coming out is Slowdown Bowl coming out soon uh, from Insomniac. And that show is doing pretty well. It's up to like 135 listens on uh soundcloud wow. which is pretty good for, for soundcloud thank the flamingos we need more. man it's all due to the flamingos. Yo, yeah wow hashtag flamingo, flamingo teeth teeth. all day <laughs> yeah it's we're, we're, we're trying to get people on on a uh, soundcloud because i really love the way soundcloud uh sounds and it makes all of everything look all party so check us Absolutely. out we're on facebook uh and all that other good stuff and basically what we'll do right now is say peace peace all right take care y'all Thanks again for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. This has been episode 24 of the Spawn on Me podcast. I wish you all a wonderful weekend. And uh, since we're taping on a Friday as opposed to a Thursday. And you all will see you Monday. Peace, peace, peace. Peace, peace, peace.